The following program is recorded content created by the Truth Network. From the big news from Texas and the pro-life bill to the latest attack on Christians in America and a call for a holy revolution. We've got you covered today. It's time for The Line of Fire with your host, activist, author, international speaker, and theologian, Dr. Michael Brown. Your voice of moral, cultural, and spiritual revolution. Michael Brown is the director of the Coalition of Conscience and president of Fire School of Ministry. Get into The Line of Fire now by calling 866-34-TRUTH. That's 866-34-TRUTH. Here again is Dr. Michael Brown. Have you heard the news from Texas? It's, it's big news. It's, it's, it's major news. It's very, very major news. We'll, we'll tell you about it today if you haven't yet heard it. Talk about, yeah, folks on the left comparing conservative Christians in America to the Taliban. Uh, nothing new with that, but with Taliban taking over Afghanistan, it's, it's the latest rage, it seems. We'll talk about that and in the bottom of the hour, we're going to be joined by Jamie Lynn Wallnow to talk about her new book, Holy Revolution. This is Michael Brown. Welcome to the Line of Fire, 866-34-TRUTH, 866-348-7884. That is the number to call. Okay, so last night I get a text from my friend, Reverend Pat Mahoney. You may remember that Pat was on the air with me a few weeks back talking about a major case that's going to be coming to the Supreme Court in this fall. The Supreme Court agreed to hear a case which would outlaw abortions basically after, after 10 weeks, and the lower courts had struck it down. The Supreme Court agreed to hear it. And Pat Mahoney explained that that was very significant because if their intent was just to leave as is, in other words, okay, the lower courts struck it down, we're going to leave it there, then they wouldn't have likely agreed to hear it. So if they agreed to hear it, it would either mean that they are going to say, okay, yes, let this law stand, uh, and, and abortions are now stopped, restricted after 10 weeks, except for some exceptional circumstances. So it's a heartbeat bill. Or they're actually considering reevaluating Roe v. Wade. Now, the... The Planned Parenthood groups, those on the left from the start, were saying this is going to be a direct attack on Roe v. Wade, which to them is, is a sacred right, a sacred ruling. And then the Attorney General in Mississippi, where this bill is uh, emanating from, said, you know, actually, Roe v. Wade is terrible law, and laid out a powerful case as to why, and said the Supreme Court should really look at this. And the others on the left saying, aha, you see, we told you so. Well, Pat had called for and is calling for a massive prayer gathering October 2nd in D.C., this will be right before the Supreme Court hears this case, and then the the implications of where that goes could be massive. And then the ruling is expected in 2022, but he wants a message to be sent to heaven and to the Supreme Court. Okay, so we knew all, all about that, been talking about it. We've, we've posted information about that rally October 2nd. But he, he texts me last night and says, hey, Mike, you reach more people than I do. Can you share some videos that I'm tweeting out? Now, I had not heard about this at all in terms of the emergency situation going on last night. But Texas passed a heartbeat bill that would say no abortions after six weeks because they're saying that you can detect a fetal heartbeat at that time. No abortions after six weeks. And 
if someone in the general public sees an abortion clinic carrying out abortions, they, they can report this. If a woman comes in there and she's, you know, five months pregnant, visibly pregnant, and, and, and has her baby aborted, that this can actually be reported. I mean, it's, it's very radical in that sense to say, hey, we're very serious about this. So there was an attempt to, to stop the, the bill from going forward. Anyway, it made its way, emergency appeal to the Supreme Court. So the Supreme Court had until midnight last night, midnight last night, central time. So one in the morning, Eastern time. The Supreme Court had until then to say, and this is an emergency appeal, okay, we're going to stop this right now. We're going to stop this bill from going into law, even for a minute, even for a second. But they didn't act on it. They didn't act on it. Uh, Check out this tweet. This is from Texas Right to Life. And and look at what this tweet has to say. Uh, Texas Right to Life, the Texas Heartbeat Act is now in effect. Texas is officially the first state ever to enforce a heartbeat law. God bless Texas. All right, so this was 1.03 a.m. So 1.03 this morning, Eastern Time, but midnight and three minutes, right? 12.03 a.m. Central Time. So when the Supreme Court did not act, even though they could act in the future, that meant immediately this is law. So right now, all over Texas, this is the law. Their protests, their gatherings, uh, because of this. But this is the law right now. All right? In, in fact, guys, let's just grab the headline from the New York Post. Then I'll go back to some of these other tweets. Uh, this is a headline the New York Post from, what, a few hours ago, two hours ago, three hours ago. Texas heartbeat bill takes effect. Clinics stop abortion appointments. Okay? So this is 12.23 p.m., so two and a half hours ago, Eastern Time. Clinics have stopped abortion appointments, even if the Supreme Court decides at some point to act on this. The fact is they did not act on it to stop it, meaning this, for the first time, this is law. I mean, this is major stuff, friends. This is massively major stuff. Bills like this all over the country have been passed, although this is one of the strongest, if not the strongest. Bills like this have been passed all over America in different states. The courts have shut them down, and and, uh, higher courts have shut them down, and that's where it stopped. And now we've got one that's going to the Supreme Court in October. So this is really the time to pray. And then to pray for all the women that were planning on getting abortions to understand God has a better way. God has a better way. Uh, Lila Rose, on the front lines of the pro-life movement, tweeted this out, 1.15 a.m. Central Time. It's past midnight now in Texas. The heartbeat law has gone into effect. This This has never happened since Roe v. Wade. Every child with a detectable heartbeat is legally protected from being killed by abortion thinking of all the inestimably precious lives that will be spared today and their new lease on life, an amazing day. So friends, this is happening right now. There has been so much prayer for so many years for the pro-life movement. There have been activists, even though it's a small number overall, but activists on the front line standing for life, many of them paying a great price in their own lives. They're professionalized because of their stand. Understandably, from the viewpoint of those who are pro 
abortion or who believe abortion is, is at least something that should be a legal option. Obviously, to them, this is a terrible attack, and it's my body, and who gives you the right to tell me what to do with my body, and on and on. So this is looked at as the worst of all things. But once you recognize that's a baby in the womb, once you recognize that's a human being from the moment of conception as its complete DNA, and even this young, before many of the women even recognize that they're pregnant, there's a detectable heartbeat. Once you realize there is a precious human life inside that womb, everything changes. And even if, in the horrific case, that a woman has been raped, I I can't imagine the trauma of that in the sense of of violation of of that person. Their, Their whole person has been violated by some monster who gave that person the right to do what they did. Now you find out you're pregnant on top of it. I I can't imagine any of that for many reasons. I'm, I'm a male, number one. Number two, I've never been raped. Number three, I can't conceive a child as a male. So I can't relate to that. I don't pretend to. I, I listen to the women who have been raped and who have had their children. I, I listen to the children who are the products of rape and, and were born into this world. I, I listen to them like James Robinson, like Jerry Hill, Steve Hill's wife, that their, that their mothers conceived their, them in, in, in rape. I listen to them as well. But once you realize that that's a human life in the womb, and if, and if you don't want that baby, if it's just a horror to think of having that child because of the way that child was produced or the trauma of living with that memory the rest of your life and and you feel you want to give that baby up for adoption, there are so many waiting. They'd be online waiting to, to adopt a baby right, right from birth, obviously. No one's minimizing that. No one's minimizing that. No one's saying, well, no, no, these are traumatic things, especially for like a 14-year-old girl raped by an uncle. I mean, these are traumatic things, but abortion is never the best option. That's the whole thing. It's not the best option. Uh, listen to this video. This is Pat Mahoney. He normally goes to sleep early. He, he knew I'd be up late, so I was watching all this unfold last night into the early morning hours. But look at this video that he posted on Twitter shortly after midnight came and went and the Supreme Court did not act. I'm Reverend Patrick Mahoney, a little bit weary-eyed, but I wanted to stay up as we've been praying for several hours that the Supreme Court would not block a Texas law, which bans most abortions after six weeks. And guess what? They didn't block it. So right now we are seeing unfolding before our eyes the dismantling of Roe v. Wade. This is so exciting. We'll have to see more details tomorrow morning. But right now, thank you for your prayers. Thank God for this incredible victory. And let's look forward to uh, Dobbs versus Jackson, in which the Supreme Court may completely overturn Roe. Through prayer, we can see God shift, shape, and transform history and end abortion violence. Join Purple Sash Revolution October 2nd, Saturday, at the Supreme Court as we pray for Dobbs. God bless. All right, so let me urge you right now when something this major has happened to consider all those who differ with us. All right. To consider those who have a totally different view about abortion than we do, 
who do not recognize the personhood of the baby in the womb, who will look at this as a direct assault of people trying to take over their bodies, their lives, make decisions for them, who will be angry, who will be confused, what do I do now, who will be traumatized in different ways. Let's pray for the mothers. Let's pray for them. Let's pray for the fathers, maybe a guy and gal sleep together. Now ah, we don't have a baby. Let, let's pray for them now. Rather than just being excited for this victory for the unborn, which is a wonderful victory, which is historic victory. Every minute that goes by is history being made. But let's pray for those who differ. Let's pray for their hearts and minds to be open, just like the hearts and minds of Americans were open regarding the realities of slavery and the horrors of slavery. Let's pray for a change of hearts and minds and God's compassion to meet people right now who are hurting and angry and confused. It's The Line of Fire with your host, Dr. Michael Brown. Your voice of moral, cultural, and spiritual revolution. Here again is Dr. Michael Brown. So just this moment during the break, scanning news, Twitter, in the two-minute break that we have, the short break, uh, I, I found this tweet that's being talked about from Dan Rather, once highly respected news journalist, anchorman, then involved in some controversial stories, has faded a lot from the limelight and the public eye. But we're talking about the Texas heartbeat bill, protecting the lives of the unborn, which is what the whole issue is. That's a child in the womb. That's a human being in the womb. That's a person with destiny and future unless their life is snuffed out in the womb. That's what it's all about. So in the same way, if you had a troublesome child that was one year old that was causing you all kinds of grief, you don't kill the child or throw the child away or leave the child in a dumpster. Why? Because that's a human being. Well, that's a human being on, on the other side of the womb. It's a human being in the womb. Well, we're about to talk about how the left has been attacking conservative Christians as Taliban. But during the break, just spotted this tweet from Dan Rather. Look at this. It's worth noting that many of the same people attacking the Biden administration for leaving women's rights behind in Afghanistan are eager to control women's bodies and choices in the United States. Which, which choices? Which choices, Mr. Rather? Which choices are we trying to control? A woman's right to education? a woman's right to pick the person she wants to work with, live with, a woman's right to go to the school of her choice, a, a, a woman's right to run for office, a woman's right to be a media star, a woman's right to be in any profession. And it, no, none of those whatsoever. If a woman wants to do what she does with her life, with her body, that's up to her as long as she's not breaking the law. If she wants to be a fashion model, if she wants to be a stripper, if she wants to be a homeschool mom, if she wants to run for president, if she wants to be a CEO of a company or whatever, it's her life, decisions she makes. It's between her and, and God. She, she wants to sleep with her lesbian partner. She wants to sleep with her boyfriend. She wants to be celibate. She wants to be married. Just whatever. Those are her choices. And 
She makes them between her and God. That's what society allows for. In all cases, she's not breaking the law. We may disagree with some of the choices, but they're her choices. Just don't kill the baby in the womb. That's all. And for that, we are being compared to the Taliban. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's the, that's the tacit comparison. Others have been more explicit. So let me take you to this article that I wrote. And, and in the article, I quote back from my book, Saving a Sick America, which came out in 2017. But uh, let's, let's go through some of this article. Once again, the left is comparing Christians to the Taliban. So, so uh, let me say once more, this is nothing new. This is nothing new, as I document here. But let me go through this for you. In May 2012, Reverend Billy Graham, then 93 years old, took out full-page ads in newspapers throughout North Carolina addressing the upcoming vote on the definition of marriage. The ads featured a large picture of Reverend Graham and carried his own words. At 93, I never thought we'd have to debate the definition of marriage. The Bible is clear. God's definition of marriage is between a man and a woman. I want to urge my fellow North Carolinians to vote for the marriage amendment of Tuesday, on Tuesday, May 8th. God bless you as you vote. Of course, that passed by 61 to 39% and was overturned by the Supreme Court. Wayne Besson, outspoken gay activist, took strong exception to these ads, writing, I'm a little confused here because I thought we lived in America, yet Graham is now trying to jam his own church's rules and doctrine down my throat. Last time I checked, I never signed up for the Billy Graham Evangelistic Association. I don't even like his church, yet he thinks I should be forced against my will to live by its rules. Do we now make our civil laws based upon Christian Sharia? Do we all have to follow his version of the Bible or be punished by government? And if this is the case, we're really a free country? Are we really much different than Iran, or is it only by a matter of degrees or a matter of time until these so-called Christian supremacists get their paws on all of our laws? Okay, let's step back from that for a moment. We're talking about changing the meaning of marriage. The only definition of marriage that has ever been on our books, that has ever been known in history in any country in terms of an actual recognized definition of marriage, it's the union of a man and a woman. And the only reason that the government cares about that is because marriage conveys benefits on society, so the government conveys benefits on marriage, namely a man and woman coming together as one, procreating, and then raising children in an environment that is best for them. That's the only reason the government gets involved. Does the government tell you who you can date? Does the government tell you must? No, it's, it gets involved in this to convey benefits on marriage and recognize marriage because of the unique benefits that marriage conveys on the society. Once you get away from that, there's no reason for the government to be involved. But this is the typical overstatement when we simply say, well, marriage is a union of a man and a woman. And anything other than that is not marriage, no matter how much love is involved, it's not marriage. Now we are Christian supremacists. Now it is Christian Sharia. Okay, let's go back to this, this article. So remember here, I'm going back to 2012. Actually, Besson was not the only one to react in this way. Already in May 2005, John McCandlish Phillips, formerly a Pulitzer Prize-winning New York Times reporter, pointed out how newspapers like the Washington Post and the Times told their readers that evangelicals and traditional Catholics were engaging in, quote, a jihad against America. Phillips noted that uh, days before his article was published, Frank Rich, an often acute, broadly knowledgeable, and witty cultural observer, sweepingly informed us that under the effects of the God racket, is now pursued in Washington, 
Government, culture, science, medicine, and the rule of law are all under threat from an emboldened religious minority out to remake America according to its dogma. He went on to tell Times readers that GOP zealots in Congress and the White House have edged our country over into, quote, a full-scale jihad. By 2010, Marcos Melitsas, founder of the radically left-leaning DailyCost.com, had written an entire book on the subject. The title says it all, American Taliban, How War, Sex, Sin, and Power Blind Jihadists and the Radical Right. In the introduction, Melitsas claimed that, quote, the Republican Party and the entire modern conservative movement is... In fact, very much like the Taliban and their tactics and on the issues, our homegrown American Taliban are almost indistinguishable from the Afghan Taliban. Remember, this was not meant to be satire. Militsas was dead serious, as are many of his readers who share his views. During the 2012 presidential debates, MSN, presidential debates MSNBC's Chris Matthews launched a tirade against vice presidential candidate Paul Ryan, calling Ryan's pro-life position extremism and claiming it was almost like Sharia. He opined, you're saying to the country, we're going to operate under a religious theory or religious belief. We're going to run our country this way to the point of making a woman's decision to have an abortion, her reproductive rights, as criminal, perhaps murderous. So he's referring to Ryan's personhood argument, which would grant 14th Amendment rights to the baby in the womb. But as I wrote in Saving a Sick American 2017, this claim of Matthews which raised quite a few eyebrows in 2012, now seems tame when compared to the latest rhetoric launched against conservative Christians. In fact, it's not enough to compare us to the Taliban. We're now being likened to ISIS. I gave some anecdotal evidence of this in an article published September 13, 2012, titled When Committed Christians Are Compared to ISIS. In the article, I noted that a few days earlier, someone named Dixie posted on my Facebook page, you are just as ugly as ISIS. I asked in response, because we want to protect innocent babies in the womb, because we care about marriage and family, because we feed the poor and needy around the world, because we want the whole world to know how wonderful Jesus is. Please be kind enough to explain your, your views. Dixie didn't respond. Just a few days before that, Geromino posted this on my YouTube page. Kim Davis, the county clerk who went to jail rather than issue same-sex marriage certificates, is an ISIS infiltrator in America with a mission to spread. The most radical interpretation of Sharia law. ISIS needed a hero, Jean d'Arc, and they found one in Kim Davis. In response to this comment and others, I wrote, So ISIS is beheading Christians who refuse to convert to Islam and crucifying Muslims who are not radical enough. ISIS is burying little children alive, burning prisoners alive, drowning them in cages, raping teenage girls, selling them into slavery, throwing gays off buildings. Yet when we say gays are free to live how they please and enter into the relationships of their choosing, that's between them and God. And if they want a minister or judge to sanction their, quote, marriage, they can do that. Just don't force us to participate in their ceremony. We are now like ISIS. Also noticed in 2017 that, quote, well-known media personalities like Montel Williams had compared supporters of natural female, male-female marriage to ISIS. Today, as Megan Bashan pointed out in The Daily Wire, it is people like MSNBC host Joy Reid and actor Tim Russ and author and freelance journalist Feminista Jones and writer John Max Smith who have compared conservative Christians to the Taliban rather than ISIS since the Taliban once again are the face of radical Islam. To quote Smith directly, Make no mistake, Christian evangelicals are America's Taliban and wield as much power, too, in their society. And filmmaker Michael Moore has chimed in as well, referring to Christian conservatives, quote, as our own domestic Taliban, even referencing Southern Baptists in this way. So as I say in the article, perhaps it would be worthwhile if a wealthy benefactor could pray for some of these 
outspoken leftists pay for them to spend six months, all expenses paid, living in Afghanistan. Right now, we're gays, patriotic folk singers are being shot in the head, women without burkers are being beaten or killed, and girls are being ripped from their homes and used as lifelong sex slaves. After a day, let alone six months, these leftists would be longing to get back to, quote, Christian America. So enough with this rhetoric, this inflammatory rhetoric. You say, what about the storming of the Capitol? Okay, how many were involved in that? How many evangelical Christian leaders were involved in that? None. <clears throat> and, and how many evangelical Christians, Christian leaders spoke out against it and said, this is absolutely not who we are? Everyone that I know was asked about it gave that verdict. Please, friends, let's be realistic here. Let's, let's expose the rhetoric for what it is, and let's bring the real Jesus to a real world that needs him desperately. We'll be right back. It's the Line of Fire with your host, Dr. Michael Brown. Get into the Line of Fire now by calling 866-34-TRUTH. Here again is Dr. Michael Brown. In 1989, I published my first book on revival, National Repentance, Call to Turn Back to God. It was published by Destiny Image Publishers, and they published a number of my books over the years. In fact, the next one coming out in October, Revival or We Die, it's really a throwback written in the, the early style of those revival books. So because I've worked with Destiny Image for many years, they will send me lists of books, new authors, new books coming out saying, hey, Dr. Brown, take a look at these, which might be interested. Would you like to have one of these on your show? So look at a lot of them, like, thanks, thanks, no thanks. That, okay, no, not really fit. And then I saw this one, Holy Revolution. I thought, well, hang on, hang on. Uh, any, any book that's going to exalt holiness, that, that's got my eye. And any book that's going to talk about holiness in the context of being revolutionary, that gets my eye. And then when I saw the, the author's name, Jamie Lynn Walnow, daughter-in-law of my friend Lance Walnow, with whom I've had many excellent and often very lively conversations, I said, oh, yeah, we, we've got to do this. So I'm, I'm holding in my hands this new book by Jamie Lynn Walnow, Holy Revolution. So... Jamie, with a title like this, hey, I, I had to have you on. Thanks for writing the book. Thanks for having me. I love that you love holiness. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, okay, so aside from the fact that holiness does mean saying no to certain things in the flesh, in the world, and that many of us love the things of the world, in many, many other ways, holiness gets a very bad rap, especially with the younger generation that you're especially trying to reach. So... If you would just say on average, if you talk to a, a younger person, millennial, Gen Z, about holiness, what are some of the negative associations that come to mind for them? Well, first of all, this paints a picture. I grew up Church of Christ. Okay. <laughs> so all we, all we heard was what we couldn't do, and we were never empowered by who the man Jesus was, and that holiness was freedom. So when you have a generation that's burning for true religion, which is to take care of the widow and the orphan, and they're on the streets crying out, but they've never been told by the church that that's what Jesus does in, in, a, in a way that's pure and holy, you see a lot of twisted revolutionaries out on the street trying to scream out for justice without God because 
the church has just condemned them and never made room for them and loved them into who God created them to be. So I would say our generation, the Gen Z, and I'm a millennial, oftentimes we just hear holiness is law, it's rule, it's it's unattainable, only Jesus could do that. We can't live the way that Jesus did. And it concerns me because I'm like, what church did you go to? Because it sounds like they didn't have God, like the real man Jesus being preached. And so that's what I would say I often hear and sense from people who don't value holiness yet. And why is it that you've become so passionate for holiness to the point of writing a whole book on this? (laughs) Since I was little, I had a relationship with God, and I always thought the Holy Spirit was a Catholic thing. If you're familiar with Church of Christ, they always read around. Like, I was grateful for the biblical foundation, but they always read around things. But I never knew people talk to themselves in their heads. Since I could remember, I was always talking to God and processing all decisions that I made in life. Not that I was perfect by any means, but when I discovered the Holy Spirit and was baptized in the Holy Spirit, Everything that was black and white became color. The name of the one I was talking to since I was a little girl was the Holy Spirit. And I had an encounter several years ago at Upper Room, uh, a church that I was on staff at in Dallas, that was several hours long where Jesus took my heart out of my chest and put a new one in. And he shook everything that was not holy out of me and, and commissioned me in the message of holiness. So after living this message, every word in this book I live, I'm comp- I, that was very important to me that I didn't give you an idea or a theory, that it was something I, I actually walk in, um, that when he did that, he commissioned me within the past year to actually write the book as well. And so I have discovered freedom in life, freedom from depression. I've received healing from God. I've received a new life in Jesus. And it's so immaculate and so living color and anything is possible with God. I just want my whole generation and every generation alive to burn with passion to live. Com- holiness is who we were created to be. It's not mm. an idea. It's, it's who you are. It's who God is saying, you are holy. Be holy as I'm holy. And when you see your gifts that aren't the same as the person to your left or right, matched with the character and nature of Christ, you will literally discover what you've been learning and yearning and longing for your whole life but you've been looking in the wrong place because we haven't found the right people to show you yet. <laughs> yeah. You know, when I wrote the book Revolution, which came out in a new edition last year, Revolution, an Urgent Call for a Holy Uprising, one of the chapters in the book was on holiness to the Lord, and, and that would be the banner of this next revolutionary movement, by which we mean Jesus changing us, and as we're changed, the world around us is changed. Yeah. And I talked about how, how this is the message of liberation and freedom. And when we sing praises to God, Jamie, we sing praises, holy, holy, holy. When we sing it about God, it's a good thing. When we try to apply it to our lives, often it translates out to a bad thing. But, I mean, you're talking about intimacy with the Lord. You're talking about becoming like Jesus, friendship with the Lord. So, how do, how do we, you had this very intense supernatural experience and, and you saw something happening in, in the spiritual realm. Mm-hmm. Most of us are not going to have that vivid type of experience. So where does someone start? They know there are things wrong in their lives. They're, they're frustrated. They, they see the word calling them to something higher. You talk about the, the, the narrow way. Where do we start? Where do you start them in your book? It's so good. Well, 
I start off with the encounter in my book to set everyone up. Like everyone who reads the first chapter, they're like, I have to take a pause. Everyone I've heard, I mean, I haven't heard from everybody, <laughs> but right. everyone who I've heard feedback from, they're like, this is insane. You can feel the presence of God. It's as though they're also having this encounter. And very simply put, in the encounter with God, you know, I could do the marketing thing and be like, go get the book. But truly, I'll just say, the thing is, he said, water your heart with the Spirit and feed your heart with my Word. It was that simple. And to me, watering your heart with the Spirit, I've discovered, is, is prayer, which the Lord told me was my most powerful weapon in a dream one time. And prayer is relationship with God. When you spend time with God in prayer, when, and that means you're listening oftentimes more than talking. We're trained to talk. In the, I would say in mainstream church, a lot of times, um, I love the church, so I'm not trying to dog on the church, but oftentimes people are taught to just like, you pray, you talk the whole time, but there's power in listening. Like when you go to coffee with somebody, I like to talk about this because this is so millennial and Gen Z. When you go grab coffee with somebody, you're not talking the whole time. If you want to get to know the person in front of you, you're also listening, and that's how real the relationship we have with God is. And so you start going into a room and you listen and you pray and you open the word and you ask the Holy Spirit to fill you and lead you in his word. And if you're not yet hungry for God, it's okay. If you're not hungry to spend time with him, it's okay. You ask him to stir hunger and hunger is such a gift from the Holy Spirit. Ask the Holy Spirit, make me hungry. Would you stir hunger in me to know you more? And out of obedience, which becomes love, when you are in deeper relationship with Christ, like I obey God because I love him. I will sit down and I will read my word. Still to this day, there are times I don't feel like it. And every time I sit down and obey that, that feed your heart with my word, water your heart with my spirit, feed your heart with my word. I'm so glad I sat down with him because I just spent time with him. <laughs> so that's where I would start is sitting with the one who's truly alive and real and asking him, and asking him to make himself real and to stir hunger within you. And listen to what he says, because he's going to talk to you. Even if it means you're reading his word and something comes alive in your heart, I feel that that's him talking to you and stirring something up within you. All right, so, so you make a quality choice, whether you feel like it or not, because of the core of your being, you want to serve God and be intimate with him, know him and honor him. You make a quality decision. You, you take out your, your Bible. You refer to it as, as my word, right? You take out God's, God's word. You, you take out your Bible, you get alone with God, and, and he, he wants to meet with us more than we want to meet with him. So when we do take those steps, he, he does take steps towards us. Sometimes there's a test, and, and it tests our will. But God has never refused anyone who's come to him and said, God, I just want to know you and serve you and love you. So it's, mm-hmm. it's out of that now. Would you say, Jamie, that we, we both get the desire to live a holy life as well as the empowerment to live a holy life out of fellowship with God? Totally. My, I married my husband because I want to spend the rest of my life with him. I understood that I understood the commitment through weakness, through strength, through victory, through trial. I fell in love with my husband, Lance Jr. And I committed to him. How much more have I committed to God? Because I love him. He has delivered me. He has been there for me when I did not deserve it. Even to this day, moments where I have to repent for a thought I had or whatever it could be. He is so kind and loving and amazing and empowers me to a life 
I literally could not understand or have apart from him. So, yes, I would agree with what you're saying. And I, I want to go back to something where you started. I've been saying a lot in recent months that we have to try to understand what's happening behind the scenes with protests, with riots, with, with young people on the streets. Look beyond the anger, the rejection of values that are important to us and ask what's going on there. I know as a, as a product of the 60s, born in 55, so I lived through the counterculture revolution of the 60s, the whole sex, drugs, rock and roll, Eastern religion stuff and became a hippie rock drummer, heavy drug user. And outwardly, all, all the society saw around us and the church saw was rebellion, generation gap, weird religion, breaking all the rules. And that was all happening. But behind it, there was something that, that many of us were really seeking. We were, we were looking for what we, we knew that there had to be more than the American dream. There had to be more to life than just eating, drinking, you know, going to school, getting a better job so you could raise your kids, send them to a better school. We knew there had to be more, but it largely got co-opted by the enemy. And as, mm-hmm. as I've looked at what's happening in our society and see, okay, people want to see justice and they, they want to see equality and they want to they stand with those that they perceive to be oppressed and things like that, but they're, they're often on the wrong side of it. But what, what's happening behind that, and, and you're tying that, directly in with a heart for what Jacob James calls true religion. So Jamie, stay right here. If you can stay with us past the break, I, I want to explore that a little bit more deeply, how holiness and personal relationship with God and friendship with Jesus are, are the ultimate answer to the cry of what appears to be just an angry, frustrated, rebellious younger generation. We'll be right back. The book, Holy Revolution by Jamie Lynn Walnut. It's the Line of Fire with your host, activist, author, international speaker, and theologian, Dr. Michael Brown. Your voice of moral, cultural, and spiritual revolution. Get into the line of fire now by calling 866-34-TRUTH. Here again is Dr. Michael Brown. I'm speaking with Jamie Lynn Wall now, her new book, Holy Revolution. So, Jamie, talking about millennials, Gen Z, it's easy to look on the streets. It's easy to listen to the rhetoric and to see just the enemy, them, anti-God, anti-Bible, etc., and there's a lot of junk going on and, and a lot that is from below and not from above. But you see something along with that deeper that people are looking for and, and you feel that the church has not, in certain cases, shown them that better way. C- can you elaborate on that a little bit more? Sure. I mean, even as a creative, which we see Gen Z with this technology and all these things, that all this entrepreneur, the American dream that shifted and changed with technology and this crazy wave of something different that even a lot of people, the older millennials haven't had to deal with, with technology and what it brings to the table. We see the world making room for creatives in this generation in a way that the church is not. And, and I love the church and I love the bride. And I think that one of the keys, like if you, if you want to live the great commission, if you want to see souls saved as one who is holy, you have to have love in your heart. You have, and to me, that comes with praying and asking God for His heart for these people. 
And I just see a world that is making so much more space and room for topics, but it's underneath the world. It's polluting a generation because they don't have God in the way that they're trying to communicate. So it's like, um, you know, this justice thing that so many see. That's why the cover of my book is, um, it's like a protest, but it's holiness as the standard and Jesus as the standard and being the answer, being raised up in our generation, because he is the answer. And it's great to go out and protest and use your voice, but if we don't do it with God, we're continuing to pollute. And if, as Christians, we're condemning and judging, and we're sitting on a judgment seat that we're not called to be on, when God is sitting on a seat of mercy that triumphs judgment, that trumps judgment, then we aren't even, then, then we're the ones in the wrong. You know, it's like we're, we're combating something with the same spirit. And so my desire, and I know this generation just longs for fathers and mothers, who will come along and listen and love. And you are probably, when you come along, to listen and love somebody who is standing up for all these different things that we're seeing in our world right now and probably doing it the way you don't like it or standing for political blah, blah, blah that you don't agree with. And we're getting into all these topics and opinions without the word as our baseline, and I could keep going. And I know you do a great job discussing all these things um, on your radio show, but it's important for us to listen and pray and love them into truth. Because this generation, if they knew the word and how amazing it is, and if the church could make room for their gifts, could make room for these amazing nonprofits that they have to love the orphan, to love the widow, um, to, to bring mercy and justice to what is unjust in our world. I mean, God has creative wisdom for all of us. And so I don't know, I, I, I hope this makes sense. I know I'm just kind of thinking out loud, but we just need to love, we literally need to love the hell out of this world. But sometimes we're not looking through the lens of love. And I've been guilty of it myself and had to repent um, because I've been on the judgment seat with frustration with what media shows me about my own generation. So I, we're responsible for repenting and going and getting souls and bringing them into the, to, to the kingdom and showing them that God gave them that gift and this is how they can use it. Yeah, and when we think of something as radical as the greatest enemy of the early church was Saul of Tarsus, and he becomes the greatest <laughs> apostle of the early church, and God saw that from day one. So what he was mm-hmm. doing was evil and wrong and destructive. He said he was a blasphemer and, and a violent man, but he also says that God had mercy on him because he was acting ignorantly in an unbelief. And you wonder mm-hmm. how many that that would apply to today, leaders of, of militant organizations that seem to oppose everything we stand for, and yet behind that, something's going on that's deeper. And if, if, if we could see as God sees, then things change dramatically. Jamie, the, the subtitle to your book, Finding True Satisfaction in a Life Set Apart. So ultimately, mm-hmm. holiness does cause us to be set apart and say no to the pollution of this world. But it's not mm-hmm. from the outside in. It's from mm-hmm. the inside out. It's our relationship with God causes us now to love what he loves and hate what he hates. So being set apart, I mean, I know it's in your book, Holy Revolution, but just give us some ideas. How in the world, when it's everywhere around you, there's the sin, the pollution, the junk, (laughs) how can we be set apart today? It's just like we have to have the fear of God in us, and we can ask for God's fear, but I just want you to know that, you know, as, as many of us know, when you ask for that, it's a dangerous, amazing prayer. God's is raising up warriors in this season and set apart. 
I didn't like the subtitle. I sent it to one of my friends, and he was like, that's not weak. I was like, the subtitle needs to be no compromise. Like, I just feel like this voyeur. But the truth is, living holy sets you apart, and it's not this weak sauce for you to be feeble and sitting back and doing nothing. You are filled with the fear of God to love what he loves, to hate what he hates, and to desire for those who are who are like actively insane to come in to that place because he did that for every single one of us. I could be the one on the street, you know, standing for gay rights right now, but I'm not because of what he showed me. And I have love for those people, our president. I have love. And I know that president Biden could be one prayer away from turning his heart completely to God. And if I'm busy slandering him, I'm not living a life set apart. It doesn't mean you can't speak up for what's right or wrong. That's not what I'm saying. But I'm saying if you have not prayed for somebody, living a life set apart is praying for your enemies. It's praying for those who have never heard the gospel. And it's being bold and courageous. And even in Matthew 24, Jesus warns us about the birthing pains that we're seeing on the earth right now. He says that we'll be handed over to be persecuted and even many put to death for our belief. But do you believe in Jesus? Are you set apart enough? Do you really recognize? Are you willing to lay your life down, literally? Even in America, if we're not careful, we could end up in this place. Are we willing to lay our life down to stand in faith until the end comes? Because we believe so much in this. And being set apart is, I say no, I don't want junk on TV that would stir up lust. I don't watch junk on TV that are the media that stirs up anger or hate for something that God doesn't want me to focus on. When you're living a life set apart, the word of God becomes your baseline for every discussion, in my opinion, loses its value because God begins to pour out wisdom and speak through us when we're doing that. And so I just want to say it's not for Luke, it's it's not the lukewarm lifestyle. It's all in or all out. That's what I love about it. I'm pretty extreme. I, I think of, like, the Avengers coming together to defeat principalities. I talk about it in my book. Like, to me, this is an epic way of living, and, and I'm grateful for it. <laughs> yeah, abs- absolutely. And I love your enthusiasm with it. Friends, <laughs> the book, Holy Revolution by Jamie Lynn Walnut. By the way, I, I think uh, Finding True Satisfaction and Life Set Apart is, is a great subtitle. I don't think it's, it's too soft at all. You know, my, my first book— just devoted to holiness was called Go and Sin No More, called the holiness. But originally I had taken from a different translation where Jesus says to the man that he heals in John 5, stop sinning. And I was going to have that as the title. I remember Steve Hill, you know, my colleague at the Brownsville Revival saying, Mike, that's the, I said, yeah, yeah, you're right. Not stop sinning. Go and sin no more. So the, the message is clear. And it is, it's, it's one, look, God made us to be like him. And when, when we are given over to, to him and wanting to serve him. Yes, we can fall short, we get cleansed and washed, but our, our, our heart's desire is to please him and know him. And his Holy Spirit comes to live within us and we become ambassadors for his cause. And, you know, living for the Lord, you never regret it. People get high, get drunk, sleep around, do crazy things. They regret it. You live for Jesus, heart, soul, mind, strength, even if it costs you everything, you live your life without regret. So, Jamie, so pleased you wrote the book. Again, the moment I saw the title, even before I saw the last name, I thought, oh, I, I got to have her on. So again, Jamie Lynn Walnow, the book, Holy Revolution. Get it for the millennials and Gen Z people in your, in your life and read it for yourself. Hey, thanks for joining us on the air. I appreciate it.
Thank you so much. Grateful for you. All right. God bless. So that was loud and clear. Jamie Lynn Wallnow, Holy Revolution. Yeah, and I'm, you know, I always tell you the truth. But, you know, I got a list of, of books, and another one was from one of our grads, and we had him on a couple weeks ago, David Edwards, with his book, Mystify. And, you know, we, we get stacks of books sent to us all the time. In fact, that's our question. We don't want to throw them away. They're good books. Like, who do we give them to? Or when we had our physical school of ministry here, now it's just online. We would put them in the library immediately or give them away to students. Um, you know, I'd, some we'd have on as guests on the air, some of the authors. But, you know, we get, like any radio host, and, and the big you are, like if we were the biggest in the country, we'd get stuff shipped to us by the second, you know, and you have to, to only pick here and there. But still, with everything we get, we're, we're picky about who we have on for interviews. So I, I hope that stirred your heart, you know, just knowing him, being with him. Say, I don't know how. Do what Jamie said. Spend quality time alone with God. Turn off everything else. If, if, if you're mom busy at home with kids and your husband may not realize that you don't get that alone time say hey honey could you just make sure we get the kids down tonight and just next few hours just guard the fort you know let me just get alone if they wake up something happens you take care of things or hey could you free me up this afternoon you know on a saturday i just need to get alone with god all of us in the midst of busyness of life find that time get with god begin to pour your heart out to him have your Bible there, meditate in his presence, read his word, speak to him, listen to him. You'll find change begins to come in your life and the things that he loves, you love. Be holy, he says to us, for I, the Lord your God, am holy. Another program powered by the Truth Network.